Well, it's good to be in the United States of America. And uh, we've spent already about two and a half weeks. And next Monday, we fly back to France. Actually, I'll do a two-day stop in upstate New York where my grandma is. And then we'll, we'll continue on back to, to Lyon. But we've had a good, uh, a good few weeks. And this morning, we're going to have a good morning. Because God has a lot to teach us. And in order to continue to follow him, I think our hearts need to be ready to learn uh, from his word, the, the Bible. So like I said in the video, I wanted to just show you a few pictures of, uh, of the church plants that now are churches, and also uh, the new project, which is the city of Bron. That way you could see images of the, the town. But uh, here I am uh, with my face looking at you in real, and I can say bonjour, thank you, and, I, and I'm going to teach you some French actually this morning, so you will leave knowing another word, okay? So maybe that can be the, the thing, is every time I come back, I'll teach you a new word, all right? So bonjour was last time, good, and this time I'll teach you a new word. There's a, a specific question that I always ask myself every time a new church is started, and that is, why do we exist? Why are we doing this? And 11 years ago, when we flew out of here, why did we get on that airplane? As an individual, why do you exist? Why are you here this morning? As us, as a church, why do we exist? And so we can do multiple, uh, a lot of different things, but what is the basic? What do we want to come back to? And we can get sidetracked, we can, we can be focused, we can use our resources on a lot of things. But again, what is the basic? How do we leverage what God has given us, our time, our resources, to advance his kingdom? And so that's sort of the topic that I would like to talk to you about this morning. And Jesus is going to answer that question He's the one that's going to answer that directly, and hopefully we'll leave this morning either as a reminder or a challenge to each one of us. There is a, something that I enjoy doing just because it, it kind of brings me back to the basic. If you were to look at this gravestone, okay, um, there are two truths that just come out. And then there's one choice that you need to make as you look at this gravestone. The two truths is the little dash you see. There's a date of birth that you don't control. And then there's a date of your death that you don't control. But there's a dash between these two dates. And that dash represents your life. It will represent my life. The second truth is the blank after your death date. And the question I ask when I look at the name above, I'm, I'm always wondering, where is that person? The blank. And the choice, or I, I could say you have multiple choices during the dash. God gives us 
choices that we have to make, but there's specifically one choice that will totally change what happens during the blank and totally change how you live your life during the dash. And that choice, I will ask you in the form of a question, are you a Christian? Are you a disciple of Jesus Christ? Are you a follower of Jesus? Now, how you would answer that will determine the rest. So you may be here and saying, yes, I am a Christian or I am a follower of Jesus. Define it for me. Is it because you're here at church? Is it because you believe in God? Or that you've given some money or you've been baptized? I just spent one awesome week at Camp Copus and I watched 120 kids raise their hand and walk forward to accept Christ. If I were to ask them in 30 years, what defines you as a follower of Jesus Christ, will they answer me because I raised my hand and I prayed a prayer with my counselor? How do you define being a disciple of Jesus Christ? If you were to answer everything I just said, um, that's not what the Bible teaches. You would be in error. And so Jesus, we're going to meet him. Where is Jesus? He's walking alongside the Sea of Galilee. It's in the up, upper part of Israel. And it's a, it's a sea or a lake that is full of fish. And these two men that he's going to meet, Andrew and Simon, their job is they are fishermen. Now, being fishermen at that time uh, is not this grungy kind of style job. Uh, we can read throughout the Gospels that these guys have money, all right? They, are, they have hired personnel working for them. They are running a lucrative business. Uh, there's mention of multiple boats. It's kind of the oil of Texas, the fish of the Sea of Galilee, all right? That's where the money is, and that's where these guys are top-notch entrepreneurs, business guys, running a lucrative business. And Jesus is going to meet them, and he's going to answer our question. Now, it's important to also notice that in the book of John, we read it wasn't their first encounter or their first time to meet Jesus. Uh, so nine months prior to this encounter, they have already met him. And so they're probably asking questions on who he is. It's not the first time they will meet Jesus. So turn in your Bibles to Mark chapter 1, verse 16 and 17, and this is what we read. Mark chapter 1, verse 16 and 17. As Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee. He saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. And this is what he says. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will make you fishers of men. Come, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. There's the definition of a disciple of Jesus Christ. 
there's two elements that we see here. The first is of being a disciple. The first is, it's right there. Actually, it's in bold, okay? <laughs> Come, follow me, and, and go fishing, right? Two elements of what it means to be a disciple of Jesus Christ, but they both are linked. They're tied together. There's two callings. The first calling is come. The second calling is go fish or make disciples. But the two callings actually form one. What does it mean to be a disciple of Jesus Christ? So let's break them both up. The first, follow Jesus Christ. The word follow 269 times the word disciple is used. And only three times the word Christian is used. So we better understand the word disciple. To be a disciple of someone means that you will learn under them or they have authority in their teaching over you. You're ready to listen. You're ready to follow. You're ready to understand you're ready to pursue what they're teaching. And so the question is, if Jesus says follow, what is he teaching? What are his disciples willing to follow? And the teaching we have just prior, the verse, verse 14 and 15 of Mark. After John was put in prison, and I want you to notice three key words that come out. You can find them with me. After John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee proclaiming the good news the good news of God. The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God is near. Repent and believe the good news. The good news is the gospel. So the three key words here is, the first one is kingdom. So Jesus has arrived and he's saying, there's a kingdom. And I'm the king. And I want you to be a part of this kingdom. So the good news is you get to be a part of it. What's the ticket in? How can you get into this kingdom? Well, second big word here is, how do you get into the kingdom? You repent. You ask forgiveness for your sins. You turn from your old way of life. You, you understand how, how your sins have, are, are horrible. And so you repent of your sins. That's your ticket in. That's how you can be a part of God's family, part of his kingdom. But the third word is believe. You see the word? Kingdom, repent, believe. You believe in the work of Jesus Christ, that he died, and that he, he died on the cross for our sins, that he rose again. But you also believe not only in his work, but in the person of Jesus Christ that he is the Son of God. And so Jesus' teaching is the kingdom is at hand. You, the good news is, you can be a part of this kingdom if you repent of your sins and believe in the work and person of Jesus Christ. Now that's good news. And that's what he's sharing as he walks around the sea and as he talks to Simon and Andrew. But he says, follow who? Follow, what does the Bible say? Follow, what does the Bible say? 
me. Right there's a shift. Because in all the rabbis or the great teachers of the time, you would follow their teaching, but you wouldn't necessarily follow the person. And so here Jesus is making a huge distinct, distinct, uh, distinction between all the other teachers and himself. What makes Jesus legit or the real thing in order to follow him? What makes him different than all the other teachers or prophets of that time? And that we read a little bit prior to these verses, verse 14, is you have Jesus who is about to be baptized. And as he goes under the water and he comes up from his baptism, uh, the Father speaks, the the Spirit descends, and and Jesus at that point is crowned. Now, I, I lived in the northern part of France for a while, and there's a city called Reims. And all the kings of France, this is obviously prior to the revolution of France, where they chopped the king's head off. But up to that point, all the kings of France would come to the city of Reims. They would go into this huge cathedral, and they would place a crown on his head, and he would come out being the king of the kingdom. Now, obviously, that doesn't go over well if you have some other people that want to be king. And so he would always have enemies that would challenge him as the king. And in Jesus' case, it's the same scenario. Jesus is crowned as king of this kingdom. A few verses prior to what we just read. But there are, there are enemies who want that spot. Enemy number one. What happens right after Jesus is baptized? He is pushed by the Spirit into the desert of temptation. And Satan is there because Satan wants that spot. Satan wants that crown. And Satan tempts him and gives him everything. He says, I'll give you this, I'll do this, I'll, you know, just bow down, just worship me. I, I want to be king. And is Jesus capable of, of basically being authoritative in taking his role as the king? Yes, we see that. Every time he's tempted, he resists that temptation, and he remains king. The second enemy who wants the spot is sin. And we just read in verse 14 and 15 that sin, Jesus says, I can forgive sin, and he will prove it by dying and raising from the grave. He is over sin. He has authority over Satan. He has authority over sin. Now, there's one more enemy just hanging, hanging out there. Who's the third enemy who wants the spot of Jesus? We said Satan. <clears throat> sin. You. Me. Simon. Andrew. You see, does Jesus have authority over humans? Because we want that spot. We want to be king of the kingdom. And now the question is, are humans going to accept him as authority, his authority as king of their lives? Making, uh, to be a disciple of Jesus Christ, we are to follow Jesus Christ. The question is, does Jesus have authority over your life this morning. Who's king of the kingdom? 
So we don't have the answer of Simon and Andrew yet. Because Jesus goes on to say, And I will make you fishers of men. I will send you out to fish for people. Verse 17. So the second part of being a disciple of Jesus Christ is to make disciples of Jesus Christ. What does it mean to fish for people? It's interesting because Jesus ties it to their work. He doesn't say, your work is bad, change jobs. No, he goes on to say, basically, your work is great, and I'm going to use your work to teach you a greater value linked to your work. I'm going to, I'm going to teach you, I'm going, to, I'm going to show you that living your normal life is, is really not satisfying. I'm going to give you so much more. And so he ties it to their work. He says, I'm going to send you out now to make disciples of Jesus Christ, of of me. And so the question for each one of us this morning is who who this year have you pointed to Jesus Christ? Who in your surrounding uh, relationships that you know have you been able to say, you know, I've 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 fished for these people. I'm I'm going after these people that they would become disciples of Jesus Christ. That's what he's going to touch on. And so there is a wonderful reminder that you have, and I actually saw it this morning walking in. It's on the website, and uh, I don't know what you call it as far as the church, but it's basically be one, make one. Okay, that, That's a reminder for, for us as a church, and it kind of gets to the guts of what Jesus is saying here. Be one, make one. So as we have a logo that reminds us of this, How do we do it? How do we actually make a disciple of Jesus Christ? And that's where I'm going to teach you French. One word, okay? That's not bad. Who knows the word friends, plural, S, in French? Oh, my. Blew it. All right. <laughs> I thought you guys were going to be, I was like, whoa, Okay. Ami, okay, A-M-I-S. And I broke my head over this A-M-I-S to try to figure out a way, an acronym, to remind you and, and myself of how we can make disciples of Jesus Christ. Okay, so we're just going to go through A-M-I-S. You can all say Ami. And I really like this word because I want you to remember that France, the people there are your friends. And they need Jesus just like people around here need Jesus. That way you can remember they're our friends and hopefully a, an acronym to, to remind us how we can make this disciples of Jesus Christ. So the first question I have for you is this. Where do you go to catch fish? We're going to learn some lessons about fishing. I'm not the greatest fisher out there, but you know, we're going to learn some lessons. Where do you go to catch fish? Okay. Beautiful. Water. You go where the fish are. You want to catch fish, you go where the fish are. That, that principle right there is huge. You want to make disciples of Jesus Christ, you go where the fish are. See, what we're experiencing this morning is a warm-up to something greater. The end goal or the 
end objective of Jesus is that all nations, all tribes, all languages, that each group will have a representative at the feet of Jesus singing, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. That's the end goal. So we're, we're not at the, the end goal. We're working up to that. And so what we're experiencing is a warm-up of that end goal. You cannot stand at the edge of a river and, and hope the fish will jump out of the river. You cannot go to a lake and say, fish, jump out of your water, your environment, your, what you're comfortable with, and come on and be a part of my church and this activity. And you can't ask fish to do that. It doesn't happen that way. You can't even be in a boat and call fish to jump into your boat. You getting it? In order for us to make disciples of Jesus Christ, we need to go where the fish are. So A is aware. You need to be aware of the spiritual needs of people around you. You heard the awareness that I live with in the city of Bron. That's, that's the city I'm trying to be aware of what's going on spiritually. To know how to be there where the fish are. It's interesting that the Old and the New Testament, there is a shift. The Old Testament, in Isaiah 49, and you can just write these references down. You don't have to turn there because it will take too long, but I'll read it. I appoint you to be the light, don't Israel, to be the light of the nations, that my salvation may be manifested to the ends of the earth. Okay, you hear the, the, the global perspective? So Israel is to be the light of the world, so that the nations would come and see what a great God he is. So the strategy of the Old Testament was come, Nations come and see. But when you get to the New Testament, it shifts. Jesus in Matthew 28, what does he say? He says, go and tell. See the difference? Old Testament, come and see so that the world will know. New Testament, go and tell and make disciples of all nations. Now, that doesn't eliminate the fact that, because we have examples where Jesus says, the church, we are the light of the world, but it's not the emphasis. So it doesn't take out that aspect of it. But there is a shift. We are to go where the fish are. So, A, be aware. Be aware of the spiritual need around you. Now, how do we, what's the strategy to catch fish then together? And I would say that's teamwork. Okay? Generous teamwork. Or fishing boat. We're all on a fishing boat because we're not going to stay on the shore. We're going to all hop in this fishing boat, or we call it the local church or whatever, and we're going we're gonna to go out to the stormy 
sometimes sunny, and we're just going to be there where the fish are, and we're going to fish together. Now, if you've ever been on a fishing boat, and I'm talking about a fishing boat, not a cruise boat, uh, it's dirty, smelly, grumpy people. Nobody sleeps. And, and you know what? When, that, when, when you're on a fishing boat, when we're all together doing this, uh, Jesus like, there's going to be some problems amongst you, but I got, I got something to tell you. You know how the world's going to know that you're mine? Is that while you're on this fishing boat doing what I've asked you to do, to fish, you need to love each other. All right? So love each other. That's how the world's going to know. But as you are fishing, you need to be people that are generous. Generous. Because God was so generous with us that he gave us the best. When you go and you minister, and that would be the M, minister to the needs of others, be a team that is generous. Be a team that's generous. Have you heard of Andrew Fuller? No? Have you heard of William Carey? Anybody heard of him? Yes? No? Okay, William Carey is the what missions considers the father of modern missions. But he said this. He's about to head out to India. And he, he basically makes this quote, or he talks to a buddy named Andrew Fuller. He says, I will go down into the pit if you will hold the ropes. I will go down into the pit if you will hold the ropes. It's just this idea that we're a team. We're all in this together. And there are pits everywhere. And you need to know who's holding your ropes when you go down. And you need to know when your brother and sister is going down and you need to hold their ropes. We're in this together. So we're a team and we're generous. So speaking of generosity, uh, it just so happened that you as a church were very generous and in helping the Trevu Church. Now that's the second church plant that now is, uh, is running quite well. And they, sh- they have a, a short little clip uh, because as a church body, you gave so much to help them build their first church building that normally will be taking off in September. So here's a, a little word from the pastor of the Trevu Church uh, for you guys. Good morning, The Ridge. I'm Jeremy from Trevu, and with all my church, we wanted to send you a big thank you um, to your, for your massive gifts for our building project. Thanks to you, we completed the budget, and now we can launch the, the building phase. And uh, when I heard the news, it just brought tears into my eyes, and I began to text messages, all the leaders saying, we have the money, now we can build, now we can build. So we are just so thankful uh, for your help, and now we look to this construction that should start early 2020. Please pray, f- pray with us. 
for all the paperwork, we submitted the permit in the city hall just uh, a few weeks back, and now we are waiting for their answer. Please pray that everything will go smoothly. You know, building a church in France nowadays, it's always tricky. So please pray that uh, no one would oppose to this uh, permit. And please pray, pray as, well, as well for us that we will choose the right contractors, the right builders, uh, and that we won't have issues during the construction phase. I will meet someone just in a, in a few minutes now. So thanks again for your help. And uh, I hope that some of you will uh, be able to come and see the new building in, uh, in, a f in maybe in a year now. Have a great day, and may, go may God bless you. Bye. Yeah. And, and I think I, it's just a timely, he just sent that. Um, there's, there's an aspect, when, when we understand what it means to be generous and not be attached to basically having our hands open to receive from God, but having our hands open to let God keep using it through us, um, whether that be our time, the money, uh, whatever we have, that we be generous people. And, and it's just a beautiful reminder. I'm so, so thankful that we all can, can be a part of this Trivu church. And you, I saw the tears. I preached at the church, what, four weeks ago? And I mean, it's just, it's just booming with joy. They're so excited. Um, why is that possible? Because we're on a fishing boat, and we are generous. So the M is minister to the needs, spiritual or physical needs that are around us. When you see a need, be a people that are generous. No, nothing attached to it. Unconditional. That's how we're going to make disciples of Jesus Christ. First, A, we're aware. M, we minister to the needs around us. If, if you are taking notes, I'll just give you a verse, Philippians 4, 15 through 23. It's just, I love, I love those verses. When do you catch fish? When, when do we actually catch fish? Three years ago, uh, since I grew up in Mali, West Africa, there, uh, there's not too many fish in the Sahara Desert. So I grew up not fishing. That's not something, uh, I, don't, I don't know how to fish. But since I have four boys and they're growing up in France and there's water all around, I was like, you know what, I don't want to take that joy of my kids if they want to be, if they want to fish, you know. So we went to the we went to the sports store and we bought all the fishing equipment that we needed to go fishing. And the first year, we went out, we bought our license to fish, and, and we're doing our thing. And uh, we caught zero fish the first year. Uh, that's fine. <clears throat> Maybe I'm talking to the wrong guys. I don't know. So we started asking around and getting training. And, uh, and year two comes around and... We went fishing and fished and fished. Guess how many fish we caught? Huh? I just want to see how well you know me. <laughs> Guess how many fish we caught? Zero. Thank you. 
And so by year three, because the kids had to buy their own fish license, I wouldn't do that. Um, they got fish, uh, fishing gear for Christmas. So that was their Christmas. So year three, we're like, we're done. We're moving on to greater things. Fishing is not for us. We can't catch any fish. We're done. We're putting all the equipment away, and we're doing something else now. And spiritually, the same thing happens. We give ourselves, we invest, in, and we're like, there's no fish. We can't catch anything. And so we're like, we're done. It's not working. This strategy that Jesus has left us with doesn't work. And we're done. And that Hudson Taylor, two quotes from him. He says, you must go forward on your knees. You must go forward on your knees. There's three requirements for a missionary, he says. The first requirement is patience. Second, patience. Third, patience. So the I in ami is intercede for others. Intercede for others. In Acts, and here I'm going to give you three ways to pray. The first one is Acts 26, verse 18. Is This is how you're to pray for those who do not know Jesus yet. Verse 18 of Acts 26. To open their eyes and turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God so that they may receive forgiveness of sins and a place among those who are sanctified by faith in me. Jot down on your little piece of paper uh, later today three to five names and pray this prayer for them every day. That God would open your eyes, that they would leave from darkness to light, that they would leave the power of Satan to the power of God. So we are to pray, intercede for those who do not know Christ. Jot down those three to five names. The second way I want you to pray is for yourself. Most of the prayers in the Bible are not oriented towards the unsaved. Most of the prayers are oriented towards us to be faithful to continue what Jesus has asked us. And so you need to pray for yourself to be faithful to what Jesus has called you to do. That would be the second prayer. The third prayer is as you're overwhelmed, and I hope you are, because you become more and more aware of the spiritual need all around you, that you would say, you know what, I, I, can't, I can't do this, and I can't do that, and I can't go to that town, and I can't do that ministry because I'm only one person, I have so much time. But that when you're faced with this overwhelming awareness, spiritual awareness, that you would pray specifically that God would send workers into that harvest and that would be the third prayer Luke 10 2 he told them the harvest is plentiful but the workers are few ask the Lord of the harvest therefore to send out workers into his harvest field next year we can start three other neighborhood churches but we will not because we don't have the leaders to do it the need is great so I'm praying that God would send others to fulfill those needs. That is the I in Ami. So, A is, you tell me, be aware of the spiritual need. The M is, minister to the needs around us unconditionally, generously, and the I is to 
intercede. But you, you come to a point where you're like, how do I actually get this fish out of the water? So I'm not asking you to be a fish, but you definitely need to be slimy with the fish, stinky with the fish, but you're not a fish. But you're there. You're, you're, you're going to pull this fish out of the water. 1 Peter 3.15, you want to write this verse down. But in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. So there's a time where all of a sudden the doors are open and we are to share. Share the gospel. Share the good news. Share the teaching of Jesus that it would apply to their lives. This happened to us just a few weeks ago. Um, all four boys play soccer, and we had a soccer tournament in the south of France. And so 160 people from our town moved basically for a weekend down south, and we enjoyed soccer all day. And then uh, at night, we sit around, all the parents. And, I mean, in France, that, that's what you do. You do what we call an apéro, which is basically peanuts and chips and uh, orange juice, and sometimes there's something else in the orange juice, but, you know, that's uh, another story. And then, and then you go on to the meal, and... and this, is, this was our first experience to do this because most of the weekends we couldn't get away. But we did this one. So I didn't really know what to expect. So I'm just kind of going with the flow and, you know, trying to, trying to be with them, but yet trying to, you know, keep my distance. on certain. But at one point we're sitting around and all these parents and, and uh, so Steve, tell us, I hear you're a pastor. Tell us about God. So I was like, well, how many beers have you drinking yet? <laughs> you know, <laughs> maybe I can get you saved by the end of the night. <laughs> Tell us about God. You know, the, I wasn't ready for that. But it was just, okay. Was that the moment I would have calculated to share about Jesus? But it was like silence. <laughs> Everybody's just silence. And everybody's just looking at me. Uh, Sabrina, can you? Uh, no. And just shared about who, who Jesus is to us. They've heard. All those people just heard. You don't know when. The, the occasion will be there. Be ready. S, share. We can do A, we can do M, we can do I. But at some point, you have to arrive at the S and share the good news of Jesus. So, remind me. A, aware. M, I, S. Now, that's a French word with an acronym with English words. Two times, Jesus basically reminds all of us, I'm the one bringing the fish out. We can do all that, but at the end of the day, Jesus is bringing those he wants to knowledge of salvation. And we have this story multiple times with the disciples. Jesus is like, okay, guys, you just got done fishing? Great, go back. We fished all day. Okay, go back. I want you to fish again. And boom, they have fish. Another occasion, uh, fish on this side, throw your nets on the other side. And 
up fish. It's just a reminder that I'm the one, I'm the king of this kingdom, and I'm going to bring these fish. You are just to be fishers of men. You're not saving fish. I'm the one doing that. It's a good reminder. He's the one in charge. So what was the reaction of Simon and Andrew? How did they react to this? Follow me, and I'll make you fishers of men. How did they react? Look in your Bibles. They, what's the word right after? Immediately. Now, like I said, they've already met Jesus. They've already asked questions of who he is nine months prior to this. So there was already a, a working in their brain and trying to figure this out. But once Jesus at, at a specific time came and challenged them, says, follow me and I will make you fishers of men, their reaction was immediate. Why? Because Jesus proved who he is. He has all authority. Who else do you want to follow? You want to follow Satan? You want to follow your sin? You want to follow yourself? You're going to lose. They, they knew Jesus has all authority. So they immediately follow him. And it's going to cost them. What does it cost them? What's the next few words in your Bible? Immediately and then? Oh, by the word, immediately means they're not turning back. There's an interesting dimension there. They're, they're, not, they're not like, okay, today, yes, and maybe not tomorrow. It's like, it's like a decision that we're not turning back. Immediately. Okay, and then the, the few extra words after is they... They left their nets. So it cost them something. It cost them, Simon and Andrew, cost them their career, it cost them money, it cost them family, it cost them multiple things. Is Jesus saying for us, I want you to give it all up and I want you guys to leave whatever to follow me? Is that what Jesus is saying here? This tricky question. (laughs) I had to work on it quite a few times. Is he saying that? Because I didn't leave my nets. What is he saying here? They left their nets. What, what Jesus is saying basically is, is there something that's more important than me? Whatever that is, you better leave it. But he's not saying, get rid of all your money, get rid of your career, get rid of your family. He's not saying that. But he is saying, is there something else more important than me in your life? Get rid of that. Or put it in perspective or priority. When I look at a gravestone, I'm confronted with two truths and one choice. The two truths are this. There's a dash. Your time, you only have so much time on this earth. And the second truth is that space after your death date. And the choice that we have, if we are a follower of Jesus Christ, is one, to follow him, and two, to make disciples of Jesus Christ. And if you can say yes to that, then that totally changes everything after your death date and it changes how everything during that dash of your life. So the reminder 
is follow Jesus Christ and make disciples of Jesus Christ of all nations. Be one, make one.